And now, as we turn our attention to the reading of the New Testament, our narrative today will come from the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. We'll go through chapter 2, verse 5. Here is some of what we'll find in today's reading. Paul summarizes Isaiah 29, 14 here in this passage to emphasize a point Jesus often made. That is, God's way of thinking is not like the world's way. Normal human wisdom, that is. But God offers eternal life while the world cannot. We can spend a lifetime accumulating human wisdom and never learn how to have a personal relationship with God. We must come to Christ to learn this important truth. We'll see that many Jews thought the good news of Jesus Christ was foolish because they thought the Messiah would be a conquering king, accompanied by signs and miracles and conquests. Jesus had not restored David's throne as they expected. Besides, he was executed as a common criminal. How could a common criminal be a savior? Greeks, too, considered the gospel foolish. They did not believe in a bodily resurrection. They did not see in Jesus the powerful characteristics of their mythological gods. And they thought no reputable person would be crucified. Death was defeat, not victory. The good news of Jesus Christ still sounds foolish to many in the world today. Our society worships power, influence, and wealth, and beauty, of course. Jesus came as a humble, poor servant, and he offers his kingdom to those with faith, not works. This, of course, looks foolish to the world. The message of Christ's death for sins sounds foolish to those who don't believe. Death seems to be the end of the road, the ultimate weakness. But Jesus did not stay dead. No, His resurrection shows His power even over death. And He will save us from eternal death and give us everlasting life if we trust Him as Savior and Lord. But He's got to be both Savior and Lord. This sounds so simple that many people won't accept it. They try other ways to obtain eternal life, like being good, being wise, etc., but their attempts will not work. The foolish people, so-called foolish people, who simply accept Christ's offer are actually the wisest of all because they alone will live eternally with God. And now let's begin our reading today here in the New Testament. August 5th, the New Testament. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 through chapter 2, verse 5. The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction, but we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. As the scriptures say, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. So where does this leave the philosophers, the scholars, and the world's brilliant debaters? God has made the wisdom of this world look foolish. Since God in His wisdom saw to it that the world would never know Him through human wisdom, He has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. It is foolish to the Jews who ask for signs from heaven, and it is foolish to the Greeks who seek human wisdom. So when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended, and the Gentiles say it's all nonsense. But to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. This foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans, and God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, 
that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise, and He chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. God has united you with Christ Jesus. For our benefit God made Him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy, and He freed us from sin. Therefore, as the Scriptures say, If you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. When I, Paul, first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. For I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling, and my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. And now from the book of Psalms, Psalm chapter 27, verses 7 through 14. We'll see here that many have had the sad experience of being forsaken by father or mother, broken homes, differences of belief, addictions to drugs or alcohol, even psychological isolation can leave children crippled by this loss. Even as adults, the pain may linger. God can take that place in our life, fill that void, and heal that hurt. He can direct us to adults who may take the role of father or mother for us. His love is sufficient for all our needs. We'll read about the land of the living. The land of the living simply means this life. David was obviously going through a trial, but he was confident that in this present life, God would see him through the trial. We can have the same kind of faith in our trials. We'll see that David knew from experience what it meant to wait on the Lord. He'd been anointed king at age 16, but didn't become king until he was 30. During the interim, he was chased through the wilderness by jealous King Saul. David had to wait on God for the fulfillment of his promise to reign. Later, after becoming king, he was chased by his rebellious son, Absalom. Waiting on God is not easy. Often it seems that he isn't answering our prayers or really doesn't understand the urgency of our situation. That kind of thinking implies that God is not in control or is not fair, but God is worth waiting for. The Bible calls us to wait because often God uses waiting to refresh, renew, and teach us. Make good use of your waiting times by discovering what God may be trying to teach you in them. Psalm 27, verses 7 through 14. Hear me as I pray, O Lord. Be merciful and answer me. My heart has heard you say, Come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I am coming. Do not turn your back on me. Do not reject your servant in anger. You have always been my helper. Don't leave me now. Don't abandon me, O God of my salvation. Even if my father and mother abandon me, 
The Lord will hold me close. Teach me how to live, O Lord. Lead me along the right path. For my enemies are waiting for me. Do not let me fall into their hands, for they accuse me of things I've never done. With every breath they threaten me with violence. Yet I am confident I will see the Lord's goodness while I am here in the land of the living. Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. Proverbs chapter 20, verses 22 and 23. Don't say, I will get even for this wrong. Wait for the Lord to handle the matter. The Lord detests double standards. He is not pleased by dishonest scales.